Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. This is your host Aman Tiwana and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading books. On this podcast we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we are discussing a collection of short stories called Difficult Women which is written by Roxane Gay. who is also the author of best-selling books like An Untamed State, Bad Feminist and Hunger. Before we begin our discussion Kathy, do you want to give our listeners an overview of this book? Difficult Women is a collection of short stories focused on women from different backgrounds. The women in these stories live lives of privilege and of poverty, are in marriages both loving and haunted by past crimes or emotional blackmail. For our discussion we have selected the stories that we liked or related to and for each story we will give you a short summary and then head on to discussing the parts that we liked or didn't like Before we start our discussion let's hear a word from our sponsors Before we start I want to mention trigger warning a lot of these stories touch on abuse and sexual assault so if you think that could trigger you in any way then I would advise skipping reading this book However, in this episode, we have selected eight stories and we have tried to make our discussion not graphic or triggering for our listeners. Before we start discussing the stories, I just want to say that I love the dedication of this book, which says, "This book is dedicated to difficult women who should be celebrated for their very nature." Yeah, I agree. and i think all women should be difficult and should give a very difficult time to all the men <laughs> uh so let's start the discussion the first story in the book is i will follow you in this story we meet carolina and her sister who were born one year apart when they were 10 and 11 years old an old man kidnapped both the sisters and raped them for 6 weeks before setting them free This story is about how this event affected their life. There is a part in the story where when her sister asks Carolina why she married a man like Daryl, she says, "I will be no good to a really good man and Daryl isn't really a bad man." I couldn't help but think how many women in this world might have gotten married to a guy because of this reasoning. I know. Just Yeah just because they have low self esteem they tend to settle with guys who are way below their standards and of course events like these like what happened to these sisters in their childhood it affects their self esteem as well yeah and that part in the story just made me feel so sad for how women generally just get the short end of the stick how they somehow learn their worth to be lesser than it actually is and they accept and settle It reminded me of this famous quote which is in this book The Perks of Being a Wallflower. It says we accept the love that we think we deserve. Oh, it's a beautiful quote. Yeah, and if only we value ourselves more, we would not settle for lesser men, right? We I would agree. not waste our time, we would not waste our energy or our lives hoping for them to change. I know, it's such a waste of time hoping for someone to change. Absolutely. <laughs> The next story that I have selected is called The Mark of Cain. It is about a woman who is married to one of the twin brothers and these brothers exchange places thinking that she does not know that they do this. 
and her actual husband is not a good man and he abuses her while the twin brother actually loves her and she loves him too i love that relationship between them you know like the woman and the brother in law it's so cute what was interesting to me in this story was the difference in two brothers it is mentioned that they had an abusive father who abused the kids and also abused their mom and any woman he was with but once he died the boys forgave him for his drinking his violence his mistreatment of their mother reading that i was thinking how easily men are forgiven yeah like if there was a mother who abused her children like this she would be unforgiven both by children and by society because women in general have such high standard to live by i agree i mean women even get punished when they are being abused by their abusive husbands because she didn't protect the children from being subjected to this abuse yeah i agree i think in general our society always blames women for anything that goes wrong i know it's like a permanent scapegoat in any situation <laughs> yeah the story also reminded me of an example that is often used when they try to explain learned behavior and choice and i think ikigai also had this story so the example story goes like there's a drunk man who has two sons one son never drinks in his life while the other follows his father's footsteps into alcoholism when both of the sons are asked why the first brother says that he saw what alcohol did to his father so he made a vow to not touch it while the second brother says that he was not shown any other way and that's how i saw these two brothers in the story that's a really good observation actually and yeah and it's a really good story and i've always been thinking like does parenting change the way you are brought up like in this story right the father was abusive but both the kids who were raised up by the same father turned out so different i think every child also has their own personality and their own yeah. strength so that also determines which direction they go so that's why it's not just learned experience and it's also choice in face of adversity yeah i agree the next story that i want to discuss is difficult women i think this short story is my favorite so far yeah it's probably my favorite one too to me it describes what all a woman can be and what all a woman can actually feel and endure in her lifetime so the story is divided into different sections which explains the traits the thought process and the feeling of different types of women and she has divided these women into loose women frigid women crazy women mothers and even dead women i actually loved how she has created these categories and written these descriptors and so much of it was recognizable to me I also liked how she suggests that the labels have been put on us but we are just women underneath like stop labeling us <laughs> yeah this is where i finally started loving and understanding her writing i think the way she has described these women in her words is so different from anything that i have ever read in our society being called loose or crazy is so offending and The way women are described in this short story makes it seem like they are just normal people. She has made these phrases that are used for women as 
mainstream and she has made the reader understand that women that you call loose or frigid or crazy are just normal women who are marred either by their upbringing or by their circumstances you know what the label crazy woman is probably used a lot in society in general and like a guy breaks up and he's like oh yeah that girl was crazy so i dumped her and yeah. nobody stops to think that is that one guy who's calling five ex girlfriends crazy is he the one actually making them crazy like is he the common denominator there yeah i agree <laughs> like you mentioned there are other kinds of difficult women explained in this story there's loose women frigid women crazy women so i just wanted to ask if you related to any of them when i was reading the story i thought i related the most to the crazy women but the way the story proceeds for the crazy women i think i just like stopped relating to her also so yeah i don't think i related to any women that is mentioned in this story but i also feel like that is the thing about these stories that roxanne has written like her writing is so powerful and so raw and it's interesting but you don't think of these characters as yourself yeah i agree i think crazy women was the one that comes closest to our existence but still like there's so much more to it than our stories i know so she has also described women as mothers in this story and she has like taken these scenarios and you know she has made it perfectly normal for mothers to feel like they wanted a different gender of the kid or feel triumphant and not guilty about not being with their kids at school for important events or feel like not being a good person about not wanting kids or not wanting more than one kid i think this needed to be said out loud and now i believe that no one else could have said it in such a subtle way except roxen gay yeah you're right and speaking of motherhood i think so many women have these shared experiences and yet all of them have this imposed perfectionism that makes them feel at loss always like it does not matter how much they do somewhere they keep feeling like they're not doing enough or they are not good enough or they are just failing at whatever they are doing i agree there are so many women who are mothers who keep feeling that they're not good enough but i also feel like there are so many girls who are judged for not wanting to be a mother they don't say it out loud because they fear that you know this would term them as bad women or like bad person yeah definitely there's a lot of stigma and i think a lot comes from the fact that women are not offered choices they are just yeah. prescribed a way of living like you are born as a girl so now you learn all the skills needed for life and then you get education get married have kids if you have one kid have second kid it just never stops and there's only one track offered to you whereas right. for men there are so many options like they can choose to be a father they can choose to be a bad father and still not judged that harshly and then there are men who are like i don't even want to get married i just want to have flings my entire life and yeah. still acceptable yeah and there is no pressure put on them whatsoever like in indian society if a man or like a guy wants to get married after 30 he is given the permission to do that or like it's only okay but like mm, yeah yeah if a woman says that i need more time to make my career before getting married 
their parents won't listen to that at all yeah and they also lo- love to remind you of your fertility clock running out right <laughs> oh my god yeah don't even get me started on that <laughs> okay i won't so i'll start my next story then <laughs> so the next story that i have is north country and in this story we are shown this woman who is a scientist who moved to a new town in michigan for work she lives alone and she eventually finds love even though she had closed herself off to it what i found really interesting in this story was her indian colleague who repeatedly hits on her and on occasion even gets handsy with her against her wishes he has a wife back in chennai but yeah. in michigan he is leaving his options open these are his exact mm-hmm. words i wanted to see if you have ever heard or seen anything like that and why do you think that happens you know there are so many people who are in long distance relationships and i am assuming they cheat on their wives because long distance relationships are obviously hard and also it's i think it's difficult to survive in a country where no one speaks your language no one understands your culture and you have no friends so it kind of becomes easy for you to justify cheating hmm i think what you're saying can definitely play a role in these situations i have also heard multiple instances from different sources about guys like this who have girlfriends or wives back home but they hide it when they come to us because they want to fool around with white women so they portray themselves as single guys oh yeah and and they somehow create this moral loophole for themselves and convince themselves that whatever they are doing is okay yeah like they'll create these two separate worlds which have no way of connecting so they think it's okay i was thinking about it and i think a lot of it comes from a general disregard of women that exists in our culture and also from our entire culture's fascination with white skin oh right that's so true You know what I recently saw a TikTok video where this guy and his mom they were rating pictures of girls. Oh my god. Yeah, so in the video you see the guy and mom sitting and the background is these girls so he keeps flipping between pictures of different girls and the mother is rating them on a scale of 10 so she's like this one's 5 this one's 6 and oh my not god. <laughs> not surprisingly the light skin girls were rated higher. Oh my god this is news to me i have not seen that video and i uh, trust me it will only make you angry and i bet like this guy was actually a 2 but in a mother's eyes he was like a 10 or something oh more than that probably 11 or maybe 100 <laughs> like it's like the thing their sons are like these greek gods or something and <laughs> no woman can compare and it's just so insulting to be a desi girl and know that this mentality exists yeah i agree since we are on topic of people cheating and creating these like different lives i think we also have another thing that probably contributes if men have affairs in india and some even have like two families three families they still don't face any consequence or much consequence and a lot has to do with our socio economic structure like women are not offered social support to walk out of that marriage or to divorce right. the guy or they don't have the financial means to be able to do that yeah so in a way i think these boys 
growing up just learn subconsciously maybe that it's okay they are allowed to do this because their uncles or other men in the society have been yeah and because there are no consequences to it today's podcast is presented by podco podco is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience that's podgo.co at p o d g o.co let's continue our discussion with next story called la negra blanca the title of the story means the black and white the story is about a girl called sara she works as a stripper while pursuing a degree from john hopkins university and she's a mixed race woman but her skin complexion is white she gets raped by her stalker i think roxen very subtly in this story has managed to underline the point how the act of rape is so different for the culprit and the victim yeah for the culprit nothing actually changes in some communities in india the culprits are even rewarded by getting them married to their victims in the name of punishment and even in this story the culprit didn't even think once about the horrendous act he has done instead he gets excited that he has broken a rule in his family history because in his family it was taboo to sleep with black women or even touch black women let alone sleep with them but for the victim their entire life changes and it starts to revolve around that one incident sometimes they're even blamed for arousing the culprit sometimes they are pitied and always it becomes shameful for the victims as if they are the ones who did this to themselves it's that whole victim blaming culture which exists yeah. almost everywhere i think not just our culture it's global i feel but growing up i remember we saw so much of it like when we were sexually harassed or catcalled on the streets it was somehow our own fault maybe we were asking for it maybe we were dressed in a certain manner or we looked at the guys in a certain manner no matter what it's our fault right. and you must have seen that whole boys locker room incident that happened in delhi public school right yeah so in this incident there was a instagram group called boys locker room chat where a group of school boys shared inappropriate pictures of girls without their consent then they go on to objectify them and the messages also went as far as to rape them and gang rape these girls yeah. mm-hmm. and when all of this was exposed the parents of these boys were still defending their sons and in turn they defend the rape culture with their statements like boys will be boys or these are young boys being hormonal this is not serious and in the end i think girls were still attacked more viciously for having such pictures in the first place yeah because if there are no pictures how can boys use them so clearly it's girls fault again i know you know i have seen so many ladies actually like moms kind of blaming the girls on instagram for showing their cleavages because they're like oh this is an invitation to boys and these are educated moms they are not even illiterate or not even someone who's not aware of modern dressing or something like that so it's very yeah. surprising yeah i think last year there was a video that went viral 
where this Indian auntie, she just made a comment at these young girls who were wearing shorts or a short dress, I think. She says something like, oh, you wear clothes like this and then you complain that you're getting raped. She actually made a statement as oh bold as that. And then these girls actually fought back and they filmed her and I don't know if she ever apologized or not. But that's the mentality. Like yeah. They have the audacity to say that to girls right on their face. Even the girls, they don't know. Yeah. And, you know, now that I think about it, there's this ad. So there's this uh, brand of alcohol. I think it's Imperial Blue. And their tagline is, men will be men. And those ads are really funny. But I feel like they're actually sending the wrong message. Yeah, because then these messages are translated in any way. Right? Boys will be boys. So any toxic trait that exists is attributed to just gender. Like, yeah, men are like this. What can you do? Men are just like this. Yeah. I mean, you can actually teach them to be better. But no, you will not take responsibility. So you'll keep saying boys will be boys. Yeah, exactly. I think this is something we can discuss endlessly. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it's better that I move on to our next story. This story is called Noble Things. And in this story, the setup is that southern states of the U.S. have seceded from the country. And now there's a wall and a fence at the border. This reminded me of a certain someone in power right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the story is serious, but this fact made it kind of hilarious for me in the current political climate we have. (laughs) So this story is set in future and it actually focuses on a couple where the wife is really fierce and headstrong and the husband is sort of submissive by comparison, both to her and his own family. I love how her character is written. Especially there's that part where there's a family dinner with Guy's family and she would not quietly sit and listen to the bullshit talk of her in-laws. Yeah. She she answers back and because of how fierce she is, nobody says anything and all they could do is just stare at her. And while I was reading this, there was this alternate comparison going on in my head of like Kabi Kushi, Kabi Gum movie (laughs) types. (laughs) Where, like, we get this message that nobody can say anything to the head of the family and let alone the bahu or the daughter-in-law to be the one talking back. Yeah. Can you actually imagine how she would be treated in a typical conservative setup that we often see in our culture? You know, I thought I was like this woman. Her name is Anna in the story. I thought I was like Anna in the sense. But... Once I got married and I started meeting my in-laws, I I was surprised to see that I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I was also sad because I always like talk so much about, you know, the rights of women and stuff like that. But when it comes to like talking back to your in-laws, you're like, I don't know if I want to choose this battle. Like, I would probably wait for another time to, you know, tell them that they're wrong. But it's very hard (laughs) to speak against them. Yeah, because even if you're like a strong-headed person or even if you see clear injustices or problems with other people, in a way, we are still taught that this is something you just don't do. You just don't uh, say things to your in-laws. Somewhere we learn that. Like there's no exact moment to pinpoint, but you are like, you can yell at your parents, but you cannot yell at your in-laws. I know. And then 
somehow this responsibility being put on us to maintain peace between your family and your in-laws and everyone whether it's for the sake of your husband or i don't know what the root of that is but that responsibility is again on you somehow i agree and there is no such responsibility on the guys to be liked by their in-laws i know they won't even make effort in most cases and it's okay yeah. cuz girls parents have zero expectations from guys already so it's such a chill, chill life man <laughs> yeah i would like so my mom keeps telling me to call my in-laws and i'm like did my husband call you and they're I like know. no but that's okay you have to call them and i'm like i'm not doing it <laughs> exactly and like i think at one point my mom maybe talked to my mother in law and they she got a hint that my mother in law is not happy with my frequency of calls or something and then okay. i got this whole lecture from my mom and i'm like is anybody lecturing this guy <laughs> who's yeah. also part of this family who's also probably connected <laughs> in the same ways nobody is lecturing him and i'm getting double lectures from both the moms i know what can we do let's move on <laughs> <laughs> now i want to talk about the story which is called how this story is about this girl who is stuck in an unhappy marriage she's saving money to run away from her marriage she also doesn't want to have kids and it is also hinted that she's bisexual in this story roxen has touched on so many topics like bisexuality infertility workplace inappropriateness to name a few and what i liked about the story was that this woman who is the protagonist her reason for not wanting to have kids is because she doesn't want to end up like her mother with too many children in a small house with too little to eat and i was imagining myself having this discussion with my family and giving <laughs> and giving this reason for not having kids and <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> I know. I'm pretty sure they would call bullshit on it. Like they won't even understand this reasoning. You know, in India, there's this thinking that everything will make way for you once you have kids. I know. I don't know why people don't really understand that if someone doesn't want to sacrifice their whole lives earning for their kids, it's okay not to have kids. I think right now we are at a very interesting transition point between these two generations in our Desi culture. like our parents generation they have adopted all the comforts of modern life in a way but when it comes to their values and principles they keep going back to this quote and quote tradition i think it's possibly because they don't know any other way yeah and for our generation for those who want to sway from tradition and get some independence we feel that we are being constantly being pulled back by those ties yeah so and i think our culture doesn't value independence much maybe because it doesn't really serve the old setup so whether it's a choice to get married or who to marry or whether to have kids or you want to raise your kids differently all of these stages end up just being a tug of war yeah i agree and i also think that motherhood just like religion is not even a choice in india oh yeah it's just like how can a woman not want that and all these images of selfless motherhood that we have been getting since forever like this mother india types <laughs> i feel like they are actually toxic because they yeah. don't let be like a human because a mother is supposed to something else something superhuman yeah yeah and talking more about these stereotypes the last story that we have is called best features 
and this story is about a girl named Millie and the first sentence is Millie is fat and ugly how stereotypical yeah. is that <laughs> yeah they are basically the same words in our culture yeah to me the story is about how she's coping with the way the world treats fat girls she has extremely low self esteem she is kind of angry at the world but she doesn't let it out and she's dating a guy who's obviously a jerk but according to her she has no choice i know and when i was reading this story it reminded me of a movie that i watched last year it's called britney runs a marathon have you watched it no i haven't so in this story britney is a fat girl and you see this element of low self esteem portrayed really well in this They show how her thin friends will use her as a backdrop comparison for their thinness and she keeps accepting that and then when she meets men she just knows they will not look at her the same way they look at thin girls and then she also accepts that and this goes on to affect how she shows up in any situation Oh interesting it actually also reminds me of this movie called I feel pretty by Amy Schumer Oh I think I saw a trailer for that I haven't seen the movie It's kind of touching on the same topic where this girl is like really fat and she has extremely low self esteem then she gets injured in the head when she starts seeing herself as this really pretty really beautiful girl and she suddenly like she gets all this self esteem back she applies for the job that she was holding herself back on and she gets the job and then she thought that her that this guy that she liked was completely out of her league but now because she according to her because she looks extremely pretty she gets the guy as well but she's she looks exactly the same like she's still fat and you know like overweight or whatever in the world of mm. the eyes so it's very interesting. interesting yeah like so the bottom line is you just need to retain your confidence no matter how you look right yeah. but we are attacked with all these messages that keep hitting on your confidence like slowly chipping on it I agree. You know there's this quote in the book that says she has a pretty face which is the same thing as ugly when a woman is fat. In the complex calculus between men and women, Millie understands that fat is always ugly and that ugly as skinny makes a woman eminently more desirable than fat and any combination such as beautiful, charming, intelligent or kind. And you know I was like I have literally grown up believing this my entire life. I know. Even, yeah, even now I don't think the Indian society cares if you're happy and healthy or not, but they care if you're skinny or not. It's almost like everything else except skinny offends them. Yep, that's true actually. But I also feel like it's not just our Indian society, it's most societies. Fat phobia is such a real thing and it affects so many people but nobody sees it as a problem if someone is fat that is automatically translated into an unhealthy person and an ugly person yeah and there's also this implicit blame that is placed on them forever for anything bad that happens to them that in a way they have caused it because they are this fat unhealthy ugly person who does not deserve good things yeah Have you ever seen a fat person in a gym? Like they have so little confidence in those places because they know there are so many eyes on them who are judging them and silently questioning them how did they let it go so far? And yeah. I find it so appalling that 
can't you see that this person is actually making efforts to get healthier? And instead of offering any kindness or any support, you are just being judgmental. Yeah, I agree. And I'm wondering how many women would relate to this character, Millie, in this story because it seems like so many would. Yeah. Because because of how society has made her feel about her weight issues, about how she has to fake orgasm to the point that sometimes she nearly convinces herself. That's so funny, but that's so real. The story felt way too real, and I agree that way too many women are constantly plagued by this. I read somewhere that girls as young as eight years old start eating less because they want to be thin. Oh my god! Fat phobia is that pervasive. The diet culture is that pervasive that it's taking away childhood. Yet no one sees the problem. It's horrible. Okay, so those are our favorite stories from difficult women, and now we want to share why this book gets brownie points from us. I will give one brownie point to the book because it has so many love stories. I would like to see short films of, you know, the characters in these stories are so real, so flawed, and yet so intriguing. Yeah, I loved how well written the characters were in almost all of the stories. These are real flawed characters, not your perfect heroine. And I love how she has also written pain. It's so raw, so genuine, so real. Yeah. And her portrayal of this flawed side of humanity, and at the same time, this incredible strength in all these difficult women was amazing. Yeah, I would also like to give brownie points to the book because it talks about dysfunctional relationships in a very real way. It also has some love stories, but they look like real life love stories, not some fictional Beauty and the Beast crap. <laughs> like the kind of love stories that exist after the honeymoon phase is over, you know. Yeah, I would also give this book a brownie point for the use of metaphors. This is such a real feeling fiction, one yeah. that one that leaves you thinking. It's not prescriptive in any way, but it's so reflective. You read the story as you are in the moment. You feel it, and you understand it how you are. I agree. I would also give Roxanne a brownie point for bringing out these beautiful characters of women in extremely bold narrations of their wants and needs. She has touched on so many phases of women's lives and so many real issues like rape, miscarriages, sexual wants, adultery, infertility, bullying. societal pressures becoming a mom and so on so kathy before we end this discussion are you ready for the last brownie point yes are you a marvel movies fan yeah i love all the marvel movies did you know roxen gay is the creator of the city of wakanda oh my god what yeah, i didn't know that I, yeah i also didn't know this before i read the book but when i read this about her, i was so psyched the nerd in me was so happy <laughs> This is great. This is a great fun fact, actually. In the end, I would just like to say that Roxanne Gay's writing is extremely beautiful. Her imagination, her storytelling, and the difficult women in these stories will captivate you. I definitely recommend this book. But please remember that there is sexual assault and abuse in some stories. So consider that if you think that could be triggering for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 
You can support us at anchor.fm slash slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod. And if you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on Instagram. For our next episode, we are reading Glennon Doyle's best-selling memoir, Untamed. We hope you'll be reading with us and until then, keep listening! Keep listening.